Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You know, Phoenix has now won seven straight on the road. They go to South Beach tonight, and they lay the smackdown against Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Buckets, the whole crew. The Suns have now defeated the last two teams that were in the NBA championship, the Lakers and the Heat, in consecutive games. (laughs) Matthew, welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. What a fun game that was to watch tonight, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, very really fun. Dinner came early tonight, right? It was served early. <laughs> We're here super early tonight. I mean, this is nice. If it can always be like this, I love it. But the ride home was nice because I had like an hour in the car listening to it live uh, on the radio. John Bloom did a great job. But, so was, uh, was Bloomer calling it tonight? Not He, uh, he was. Yeah, and it was funny because he actually lost live stream, so he had to actually read the words like an ESPN when you go to watch a game. (laughs) So he was reading it line by line, but he did a fantastic job. Didn't lose any traction at all, just kept going. Yeah, shout out to John Bloom. He does a fantastic job, whether he's doing the radio side or the post-game show with our buddy Flex. I mean, that is just quality listen. And, of course, you know, when Al McCoy is on, that's also quality listen, too. So, yeah, it was, you know, obviously a little different. The Suns are traveling to the East Coast, so you have back-to-back games in which the start time is 5 p.m. And I'm not going to lie, Matthew, we'll be done with this podcast right around 8.20 our time. And you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, just enough time to go to the gym, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just enough time to get out of here and go to the gym. Yeah, right. We'll be drinking some beers or something. So, uh, but welcome to everybody to the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm John. He's Matthew. And we're excited that you decided to join us following this victory for the Phoenix Suns. This is a reminder to everybody who's listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network to please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go there and give us one of those five-star reviews and leave us a little something, something. Let us know what you think of the podcast. If you're listening, sorry, if you're watching, on either Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube, <laughs> head over to the YouTube page. Please press, press subscribe. We're up over 900 subscribers, Matthew. Yes. So my shirt's not off yet. Is it, not, my shirt comes off at 1,000, right? At 1,000. We do the secret okay. special episode for the 1,000th person. It'll be a, just a personal live stream between <laughs> you and whoever that lucky number 1,000 is where your shirt's off and, and you're some just butter. talking sun. There'll be, a, little, there'll be a stick of butter somewhere. Stick of butter, some canola oil, whatever you got to do. But we're getting ever so close to 1,000 subscribers. So please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and hit a thumbs up button if you're watching along live with us. I see plenty of Jamsters are joining us in the chat. So excited to talk about everything that is going on uh, relative to the Phoenix Suns and this victory over the Miami Heat. So again, thank you for joining us. Matthew, what are you drinking tonight? Let me guess. Two liter of water? Yeah, no, it's actually a cup of water. Oh, I've got that same cup, the Phoenix Suns cup. Yep, from two Ah, years ago. Nice. We're going to have to go to a game soon and get a new one, huh? Yeah, we need to. We're overdue. (laughs) Well, I'm going to, I have this nice IPA right here. It's a grapefruit IPA. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm going to, I'm going to pop this bad boy open. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah. And let us talk about another victory for your Phoenix Suns. So, yes, the Phoenix Suns travel across the country to South Beach and play the Miami Heat, a team that's been struggling as of late. I mean, they truly yeah. are a team in the middle. They now, after this game, are 22 and 22. And they're a team that started the season 6 and 12, uh, following some protocol issues relative to COVID. And then Jimmy Buckets came back and they went 12 and 6. So they got up to 500. Then they ran on a little streak. And then now this is their fourth drop game in a row. So you look at this team overall 
And on paper, they're a beatable team. But then as this game began, Matthew, you could tell that you know, th- one of the reasons why this team was in the NBA Finals last year is their tenacity on defense, their hustle, and their ability to close out on shooters. And that first punch that they kind of threw at the Phoenix Suns was something that the Sun squad sustained and ultimately overcame. But I know you were listening on the radio. You, you yeah. didn't necessarily see how uh, effective they were on on. Uh, defensively, but what was just kind of your initial take on this squad coming into this game? Well, first, the reason they didn't make it, or the reason they went to the finals too, was Jay Crowder, right? So now we have Jay Crowder. He's back in the house. He's tearing it up. What I heard on the radio was uh, DA losing the ball a lot in the beginning. So I was like, good, good, good. Like, I actually, I realized about myself, I get more pissed off listening to the game, I feel like, than watching it because I just get pissed off because I can't see what's going on and I almost get into 10 accidents. But (laughs) DA, he was losing the ball at first, but then you can hear him get into the game, get the ball, put in the jump hooks, get those offensive boards, throw the ball down, and then you watch the replay. It's like, oh, it was, it sounds better listening to it than you actually see like his little fadeaway jump shot over Jimmy Butler in the paint. Uh, But this Miami Heat team, you always hear about the culture and stuff. I mean, that's fine, whatever. But the Suns go out east where a lot of these teams are just terrible. Bad weather, bad teams. Even the best teams out there like Miami that are at full strength now trying to figure things out, even though Tyler Hero, who knows what the hell's going on with him, uh, isn't helping at all. So the Suns, like they took care of business. Like you said, they took a, a blow in the first quarter. But after that, man, the Suns were just playing one of the best games I've listened to and watched in a while this year. I know we've won some good games this year, but this has been really great, and it had to start with DA. I think he did a great job tonight. And I really think this was a complete team victory, and for the entire four quarters, you saw a team play near their potential collectively. It was a game in which uh, Chris Paul had the ability to distribute effectively. Devin Booker can get to the uh, the line and and create mismatches uh, coming off of numerous screens. And that's one thing I really enjoyed about watching this game was all the screening that the Suns were doing and ultimately it led to open shots for the team. And then, of course, DeAndre Ayton was playing like he should and like a lot of people expect him to uh, in this game. So, I mean, it was it was a complete game for the Suns. And again, you know, the, the first quarter, the final uh, tally was 25 for Phoenix and 20 for the Miami Heat. And you just felt like, OK, this potentially could be a defensive battle. And I'm comfortable yeah. with that. And I think that that's one thing that I noted as I, I was in charge of writing the recap for the bright side of the sun this evening was, you know, you know, Miami's a good defensive team. You could see it and you can feel it. And they're, you know, they, they, their ability to close out on shooters, their ability to rotate and switches and their hustle was apparent with every possession. Uh, but, you know, as they tried to force the suns into awkward situations, when they started to do some full court press in the second half, you realize that if you full court press the Suns or if you try to do all these things, we have an answer offensively for a lot of these different defensive looks that teams are going to throw at us come playoff time. If you try to full court press us, you're almost playing into our hands because we're not a fast paced, fast break team. So it doesn't throw us off, off of our rhythm. Instead, what we do is, is when you start to throw doubles and triples at Devin Booker, shit, every time he had the ball, there was a double or a triple on him. We can pass out of it. We can screen around it. And then next thing you know, we're getting an open shot. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, too, almost the whole team, they can handle the ball. They can dribble the ball. They have good handles for their size, depending on what position they play. But there are guys that actually can pass. The only the only thing we can think of is really when Booker had trouble passing on double teams. Like, that was a thing uh, two years ago. And I think last year he kind of showed yeah. up. This year, he's, like, remarkable. He knows when it's coming. He knows how to pass out of it. But a lot of these backup guards we have, like Cameron Payne, uh, whoever the hell is playing for the Suns on the court at that time, they know how to handle the ball. They know how to get out of these situations. It's like they, of course, probably practice this all the time because, like you said, coming up playoffs, we're, they're one of the better teams right now in the NBA. So a lot of these teams, even though Miami it looks good, I mean, on paper they'd look good kind of. To me, they do. Mm-hmm. The record, of course, do. doesn't show it. I mean, they'll probably start playing better. But when you play teams that are worse than what the Suns are, they're going to do that full court stuff. They're going to try to get inside your head, try to switch things up. So the Suns are prepared a lot now. They're prepared for any kind of situation on the court. Tonight, dude, I, I just think this road trip the Suns are on right now, uh, it, it might suck if you're if you're just you're gone from everybody, from your family, whatever. But this is, I think, what the team needs. I think it gets a little boring playing at home, you know, playing on the same court, just doing the same thing over and over for these guys to get out and get on this road trip. Started out great, but what these teams are throwing at them, 
they want to be in the different environment. The Suns want to play on the road in these different environments with different things thrown at them so they can get used to these situations. So this game is one of those where, you know what, they dealt us a bad hand at sometimes, but we played out of it. We They definitely played out of it tonight. Yeah, completely in control the entire game. And Blackout Suns actually says that in the chat as it pertains to Devin Booker. Booker was completely under control tonight. No shenanigans. Yes. Beautiful. And that's what this Suns team needs. And you're right. You know, the, the Phoenix Suns are a team that when they were in the bubble last year, bonded. And they came together and they learned how to play basketball together. That's obviously carried over into the 2020-2021 season. And as we have these road trips, which the back half of this season is chocked full of, we have a four-game road trip right now. The last 12 of our 16 games are going to be on the road. That's where this team can mold together and become truly playoff ready. Like you said, go into uh, adverse environments. Now, Granted, the American Airlines Center where the Miami Heat play has zero fans in it still, which I actually found shocking mm-hmm. when I was doing the preview for the game. I thought and they I had re- some. No, they have zero attendance. That's what I looked up on Basketball Reference oh, really? prior to the game. Yeah, because I always like to see kind of uh, who plays where and whatnot. And it says the arena, they play American Airlines Arena. Attendance so far this season is zero, mm-hmm. which is 18th out of 30 in the entire league. So I was a little surprised by that, obviously, because it's Florida, and I thought that you know, Florida was essentially a different country during COVID. So had no idea that that was occurring. Um, <laughs> but again, it's a team that is went to the NBA finals last year uh, is somebody who I think both of us will not be surprised is if they excel up through the rankings in the Eastern conference. Cause I mean, essentially they lost this game. They dropped to 22 and 22. Uh, I don't know what other scores are going on right now in, uh, in the NBA, but the Knicks yeah. entering tonight are 22 and 22 and they're the seventh seed. The Hornets are 21 and 21. They're the sixth seed. The Hawks are 22 and 21. So that's where Miami started the night. And they're the fifth seed. So, I mean, worst case scenario, they dropped to like the fifth or sixth seed with a 500 record. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the Western Conference. If you have a 500 record, you are the Memphis Grizzlies and you are in 10th place. Yeah. And it cleared up really quick. Yeah, there were fans there. <laughs> Everyone's keeps saying so. Really? I remember. I didn't know. If, yeah, I was like, I don't know if it's just a mix of me listening to the game and just me watching it. I don't know what the hell is going on. So <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, Miami, I mean, we don't have to worry about the East, so they can do whatever the hell they want. If they want to meet us in the finals or whatever, that's fine. That's their own game. That's their own agenda. They want to try to get past Brooklyn Nets, which is going to be impossible really for this team right now. If you're looking at a team too that wants to trade, you, they keep talking about Tyler Hero. There's there's connections between Hero right now and uh, who are they trying to get? Is it Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry, they're trying to get on this team, even though yeah. none none who isn't really i guess a traditional point guard he went ape shit tonight right i mean he couldn't miss one shot so i think those those trades the every it's all up in the air so these guys are kind of listening and they're trying to put their their best game out there because i mean kyle lowry coming to the miami heat would help out a ton he's like a perfect fit to that system yeah it's interesting because now the trade deadline is just a mere two days away thursday at noon arizona time is when that nba trade deadline is and you're really starting Mm -hmm. to see a lot of the hot stove takes and thoughts on who's going to go where Uh, in fact on brightsideofthesun.com we're going to be putting out something that is uh everyone all the staff writers kind of saying who they want to trade for and who they think they need to get um shocking you know i'm a hashtag javel mcgee guy so i made sure i got in there early and got that take in there nice and early before <laughs> yeah. everyone else did get ready for my but, take yeah yeah i liked your take though i liked your take it's pretty it's different right it, it, <laughs> it always Matthew, is. everything is different with you my friend. <laughs> uh but kendrick nunn yeah 25 points is actually he had a season high in january earlier this year against mm-hmm. the raptors uh of 28 and i thought that he was headed that way in the fourth quarter the end of the third and beginning of the fourth, he was the one guy who really kind of kept the heat in this game. And when you look at the final score and you see the Suns win by 10, you're like, okay, you know, decent game. I mean, it was never really that close due to the way that the team played. But I think Kyle Lowry would be an interesting fit as we talk about the the Miami Heat and what they need. Obviously, the Sixers are the team that everybody nationally is kind of pushing Kyle Lowry to and hurting him towards. So we'll see what happens again. That's something that's always fun. And we'll talk about about a little bit at the end of this podcast relative to who should be traded and who shouldn't yeah. be. Um, but going back to what Blackout Sun said, talking about Devin Booker and his night, 23 points, 10 for 19 shooting, 2 for 8 from deep. Uh, felt like he was shooting better from deep, but you know, only 2 for 8. 
Uh, had the five rebounds, the three assists, but more importantly, for both him, Chris Paul, and Jay Crowder, three of our five starters, only played 27 minutes tonight on the first night of a back-to-back. Only Bridges and Aiton actually played in the fourth quarter. Uh, how important it is it, one, to see Devin Booker play the way that he was tonight in control, not emotional, and two, how is it important is it for them to get this rest prior to a back-to-back? Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's the way you want to draw it up. But first, I thought you were going to say Jay Crowder, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul—the only three guys in the lineup that didn't have a turnover, which is great. Oh, this is I true. Mean, this is no, true. They, yeah, they, no turnover. The, the team did a really good job protecting the ball. Only seven turnovers tonight. Yeah, I mean that's what you want to see. I think we went probably through our worst stretch of turnover games. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to get those out of the way. It might happen once again, once in a while again, but that's fine. I think that what what they did tonight when they actually started controlling things, slowing things down, and getting their open shots, really hitting from three. I know thirty two percent, but twelve of thirty seven. That's pretty decent compared to what we've been doing the last few games. I just I want to continue to see this team do that against these kind of uh, teams that we're going to play. Uh, on this East Coast road trip because you have the option just, just to rest every fourth quarter. Then you have DeAndre Ayton, who sometimes sits out fourth quarters now, even in clutch situations. So for him to actually continue to play the rest of the game from start to finish with his enthusiasm was was marvelous, dude. I, I loved his enthusiasm tonight, but Chris Paul and Devin Booker for sure led this team from start to finish. I think that Devin Booker, he had his chest puffed out even more in this game. For some reason, when he goes up to Tyler Hero, someone mentioned it in the comments talking about Tyler Hero and how people talked about him being better than Booker. I know we questioned that last year. Like, how good can he be? Can he be a Devin Booker? I think I said he has an... He has a, a chance to be a Devin Booker. He definitely does. This is just an off year. It's it's the second year in his career. And sometimes it happens where you play so good your first year, the second year is just more difficult because people are paying attention to you now. So that's what's really happening with him. But Booker, just his chest out, he wanted to prove something against Hero. I think there's a little competition now between those two because he looks up to Booker. So for that reason, you just saw more from Booker, more aggression tonight. And he kept his calm. There was a few times where I thought he was going to lose his cool, and he didn't. So I am glad he kept it in check just to get this win because that's what happens. If you get that technical to where you don't get a foul called, things start to turn. And it didn't happen tonight. He just kept it chill. And uh, the Suns, you know, they pulled it out because of that reason. It's funny because secretly I'm waiting for that next Devin Booker technical foul because that's going to be number 10. And I already have a piece all set and ready to go on bright side for when he gets his 10th technical foul, like breaking down every technical foul and whether it's valid or not. So every night, <laughs> oh, like I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of waiting for him to lose his cool a little bit just because I'm like, OK, I, I can Let's submit. <laughs> I can I can press submit on this one. But, you know, yeah. again, kudos to him. And you're right. Uh, I wrote about this uh, in the recap. God, I'm talking about my writing a little too much. I've been really writing a lot of articles recently for bright side. Yeah. Um, but in the preview for this game, I mentioned, especially relative to Duncan Robinson, both him and Tyler here got a lot of pub last year and a lot of teams realized we need to push these guys off their spots if we're going to give them threes we need to have a hand in their face and they're having a tough season both of them shooting from downtown for those reasons and again Devin Booker is somebody who Tyler Harrell looks up to both Kentucky guys somebody who you like you mentioned could probably become you know he at least has the ability to score enough points to be similar to Devin Booker I don't think he has the versatility that Devin Booker has. I mean, Booker can score in so many ways. He can back you down. He can hit those mid ranges. Uh, He was doing things in the first, like his first four points, his first points were like this high arcing shot over Bam Adebayo. And his second one, he's coming off the left side, jumping off his left foot, like fading away out of bounds and like hits. I mean, Devin Booker is just so nasty the way that he can score points Mm -hmm. and put the opposition in just, you know, tough spots. I mean, you can't guard this guy sometimes and his ability to come out, have control, you know, again, finish the night with a total of uh, 23 points. Uh, 15 of those came in the first half, you know, and it was seven of 12 shooting in 17 minutes. So he was really uh, playing very well and, you know, showing the, the Miami heat, like you're not going to be able to guard me tonight. So bring a couple, keep bringing those double teams and then I'll pass out of those and I'll, I'll set up, you know, my fellow shooters around me, including, as you mentioned, Jay Crowder, a guy who has 13 points, five for eight shooting, three for six from downtown, uh, one steal, one block, one assist, three rebounds, just really did a good job filling the stat sheet against his former team. And then you could see him in the commercial breaks, like coaching the team saying, hey, I know what sets they're going to run. If we want to beat them, we can 
beat them to their spots and let me show you how. And I mean, it was just really fun to watch Jay go back into South beach tonight and play as well as he did. As we know, as uh, for those of you who are friends of the show and, and you know, the jamsters out there, you might remember a couple times on the show, we've had Brandon DiPerno who writes for hot, hot hoops, which is the Miami heat SB nation site. And mm-hmm. he said at the beginning of the season, Jay Crowder is somebody that we're going to love. And he was really upset that he left the heat. And didn't he have a Jay Crowder Jersey? Yes, like, he was going to buy he, he had ordered one. Yeah, he had ordered one. Him. And that's that's a trend that has really happened with the Suns fans is getting the Jay Crowder jersey. Not only, yeah, only that's is it number 99, looks beautiful. it looks good, but I mean, he can back it up. Even if he is gone next year, it doesn't matter. This guy is a big piece to what the Suns are doing right now, and he's a glue. Like you said, he was teaching on the uh, sidelines and just showing these guys what to do, but he was really getting everyone going. Like I said, he is a glue. He was doing the high fives saying good job i love those guys on the court yes. and he's he was that guy today i don't know if he always is but he was today it was something about being back in south beach um but yeah just really quick i want to say uh, on tyler hero mm-hmm. he, booker he booker had such a long time of course to learn more and add to his game i think tyler hero does have that uh, option just because he's having an off year i think he can get back to it and not be as good as booker but you know just improve a little bit but i just want to throw that out there but uh yeah back to crowder crowder is amazing and i love the suns <laughs> <laughs> That's a great take. I'm going to write that down. Another another son I really enjoyed watching tonight was Sir Tory Craig. Uh, number 12, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast. I don't really like the number 12 on basketball jerseys. I don't care, man. Yeah. I like the way this guy plays. Four of seven from the field, two for three from downtown. Two big threes, by the way, too. Both of his threes kind of <laughs> yeah. came at an opportunity when the Heat were making a little push and trying to get that lead under double digits. Then, boom, we hit him with the Tory Craig. Uh, Tory Craig, three, uh, 20 men, 21 minutes, 10 points, three rebounds, one assist. Uh, again, you know, welcome to the team, Tory Craig. I think that yes. I think that he's a good upgrade from Abdul Nader minutes, right? Because we didn't see no Nader yeah. tonight. We didn't. I don't know if that has to do with Cameron Payne just playing better than he has been. So maybe they want to keep that consistent where, I mean, I know Nader plays all over the place. He doesn't really play point guard, but campaign, I feel like, I don't even know why I said that because they actually play like similar minutes <laughs> next to each other. Uh, but I think the Tory Craig thing is nice to see because he is a chill guy out there. Like he is basically just like, let me just take the step back three. Let me just pass it to this guy. Like he is just, he's moving with the flow of the offense. Like he's been there for forever. He, he seriously, I don't think he expected this many minutes. You can kind of see how tired he was getting. Yeah, but he a got a bit. lot of minutes towards the end. But he he's definitely a guy you can count on, like from three. Another guy we can trust defensively, play some really great defense down low in the paint. Even though some guys got some shots over him, his hand placement, his arm placement, his body placement, everything is really, really stellar when he's going up against these guys trying to lay the ball in. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they're undersized, he, he knows how to handle them. Uh, I love this guy... I'm not gonna say I love him too much because Suns are winning. This everyone I love everybody. I know right I love now. everyone on the team. But yeah, but the minutes and stuff he's getting uh, over Nader, I don't know if that's a thing. Like like we talked about when he joined the team, it was like he's gonna get these random minutes where Nader will probably just play next game and he won't play next game. So we never know. And I feel like he'll be another guy that won't complain just because he didn't get any minutes when he was in uh, in Milwaukee. So he was in Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So no minutes in Milwaukee. So any minutes he gets, he'll be happy with. So he's just going to join the the rotation like a lot of these guys just in and out. And whenever he's in there, he's going to contribute. Exactly. And as Zach Reed says in the chat, Nader was out with right and east soreness, uh, but he was probable to play. So, I mean, obviously, if that's the case and he truly does have that right and east soreness, mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that Tory Craig could come in and take those minutes is valuable. And I think that, you know, as we prepare for the trade deadline, if we need to cut some, trim some fat in an effort to try to make a move and make an upgrade, preferably at the big, Nader could be one of those guys who showcased enough who he could be, uh, you know, an asset in a trade. And I was thinking about this, and I think I was talking with somebody on Twitter, but how much is Abdul Nader similar to Kelly Oubre? A guy who can dunk the ball, hit a three from time to time, and then it can look really bad on some plays. Mm-hmm. And some plays, it's a black hole. Like he really reminds me of Kelly Oubre. And I think that, you know, I, I don't want to go on a bash Kelly Oubre rant. I love Kelly Oubre for everything he did. The background of our podcast is the valley because of Kelly Oubre. But a lot of what he did, the flash that he did, now that we're further away from it, you realize it was flashy, but it was never consistent. And I think that. 
you know, Nader is a guy who kind of took his place, obviously not in the starting capacity, but in those abilities of those like, ah, oh, shit, what are you doing? Oh, hell yeah. That was a dope dunk. What the fuck was that pass? Oh my God. What a three. And like, that's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what the, the emotions I used to go through with Kelly Oubre would be too. The only difference is uh, Kelly Oubre used to blow kisses to the crowd and, you know, Nader doesn't. Yeah, that might be the only difference. Um, but Nader, he he does hustle. He he tries to get the job done. He tries to take on too much on the offense. When he's in the game, he focuses too much on getting the ball to the rim, not passing it out. So that's one thing Kelly did where he wouldn't pass the ball out when cutting to the basket. He would really focus, even if it was bad positioning, of getting to the rim and then drawing. He would get the offensive foul call on him more times than none. That's what you see from Nader a lot. Uh, Kelly Oubre, though, better three-point shooter. Uh, you know, more clutch. He played a lot more minutes than what Nader's seeing right now. Nader is just so half and half. And uh, like a knee contusion, whatever, not a knee contusion, knee soreness, soreness and yeah. I had him out. But there's just like half the game, yeah, he looks brilliant, the other half not. But it's just something that Monty likes to see because I think he's so close to where a lot of these plays that are going the other, the other end are going to come back and be on his side. So as long as he keeps up the effort and – the great play. I know you bring up Kelly Oubre and just some dumb plays, but Kelly's were just like, come on, like you should know not to do that. Nader is just like, I'm trying to do something here and I feel like I can and I, I feel like I can get the shot over this guy and then it, it doesn't work out, but it's just like he's just that close to getting it done. Kelly was just, there's just too much going on because there's a lot more on Kelly's shoulders. He was like the third guy yeah. on our team, you know, in the behind Rubio and Booker and I guess Aiden maybe, but there's a lot more on uh, Kelly Oubre's shoulders though than Nader, of course. No, very, very true. And, you know, playing with the starters, obviously the, the minutes are, have more weight to them. So mm -hmm. when an error does occur, it's magnified, but anyways, just a minor observation I have. I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but just a thought, oh, you know, well, I'm sorry. I talked. No, 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 sorry, no, not, too long. <laughs> not at all. I didn't want to talk too long. That's my bad. My bad. I know that we are what now 25 minutes into the podcast Dang. and, but you know what? It's time, Matthew. Watch 2021. It's the longest we waited. I know. Well, normally we lead off with it, and I figure we could lead off with it because we yeah. always lead off with it. But I wanted to talk about some other guys before I give a huge thumbs up and high five to one DeAndre Ayton for his efforts this evening in South Beach against the Miami Heat. We talked about it on the last podcast, and given the lack of size and depth at size that the Miami Heat had, this, again, like the game against the Lakers, should have been yeah. a game in which he feasted. And you know what? The big fella did, and it was nice to see that. We look at kind of how he played, knowing that he's going up against uh, uh, Bam Adebayo, who, you know, an all-star, somebody who, you know, if, if any Suns fan could, they would trade for um, um, Bam Adebayo. But you just kind of look mm -hmm. at how it went. And I was actually documenting on this on Twitter uh, after one DA in the DA versus Bam battle, Aiton had six points and four rebounds. Adebayo had four points and one rebound in the first quarter. So that one goes to our buddy DA. In the second quarter, this one actually ends up going, I believe, you know, it, it's probably more of a Bam quarter, although it felt like more of a DA quarter. Uh, DA had four points, four or four points, four rebounds, and two assists. And Adebayo had four points, three rebounds, and four assists, and one block. So because of the block, yeah. I guess I give that to Bam. In the third quarter, it was DA again with three points, four rebounds, and two blocks, and he was unbelievably active in that third quarter, swatting things away and really you know, deterring shots at the rim, really doing a good job there. Adebayo had five points, two rebounds, and one assist. And in the fourth quarter, it was four points, four rebounds, and one assist for DA, three points, two rebounds, four, and one assist for Bam Adebayo. So after everything was said and done, De DeAndre Ayton ends this night on eight for 12 shooting with 17 points, 16 rebounds, three assists, and three blocks compared to Bam Adebayo's 16 points on four for nine shooting, uh, eight of nine from the free throw line. He did get to the line. Of course, everybody gets the line more yeah. than the Suns do. Uh, eight rebounds, Holy. six assists, and one block. So what was your thoughts on our buddy DeAndre Ayton's performance tonight? Well, uh, first of all, I do hate Aiden, so I don't want to. Oh, yeah, <laughs> bring it up. That hates Aiden. It, no. It's true. I, I hate his guts. No, I'm just joking. Um, tonight, because what we talked about 
last pod was just him continuing, or I talked about him continuing his presence down low on the offensive end, staying there, facing forward, standing up straight, moving towards the basket on shots, not falling away from the rim. He did that tonight. He continued it. And a lot of people might say and joke around like, oh, the trade deadline's coming up. These guys are playing great now because they want to prove something. He doesn't want to mess it up. He doesn't want to leave Phoenix. It's a good situation. Uh, That could be a reason. I guess you can throw that out there. But I just love the fact that his defense is back. His defense, shout out to No Dunks. His defense is back. And it's 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 totally true because I think that his defense leads a great offense. But like when I was listening to him in the car, he got all the fumbles and bumbles out of the way. Then he continued just to play great offense. Positioning on the block was something that he started to do well too. He got the mismatches. He found a way to actually get have a path for the other player to throw him the ball. That's something that DA still needs to work on, but he did that in the fourth. In the fourth, it kind of slipped a little bit, but he got back on the horse. That was one thing I mentioned earlier where he started the game so well or uh, terribly, but then just picked himself up midway through the first. And then from then on, he carried the rest of the game. He was unstoppable on both ends. That's the way he needs to be. The look on his face, his body language, everything looks serious about this game. There was no joking around. Everything, his the frown on his face. I'm not I'm not even kidding. Like he looked like the Aiden of that four-game skid to where this is the way he looked. I know the points were really there, but his efficiency was great. He was five for eight in the first in the first quarter. Or was it the first quarter or first half? Uh first Excuse half. Me. First half. Yes. First half, five for eight, and a little phlegm from me. He was five for eight and then finished like efficient as hell, but only 17 points. So, of course, we want to see those uh, um, shots go up a little bit. But overall, this is one of the best games he played all year and started defensively, right? I completely agree. You know, it's uh, what's interesting about DeAndre Ayton is some people like to stand on specific corners relative to DeAndre Ayton. Some are on the anti-DA corner where they're going to pick apart everything he says. Some yeah. are are too fanboy when it comes to DeAndre Ayton, and he can do no wrong. And one thing I like to think is I'm somebody who's kind of in between those two corners, like crossing the street. And like I want to walk towards fanboy, obviously, because I'm a big fan of DeAndre Ayton and I believe in this kid. So I always like to remind everybody how young he is and how much opportunity he has to grow. And we should enjoy the fact that we're watching him grow before our eyes on a winning team rather than be upset with him when he has ups, uh, you know, nights and we're still winning. Um, so I'm walking more towards that fanboy, but I like to kind of, be in the middle and just kind of yeah. I'm a, I, I really like just watching it. I mean, having him go up against Bam Adebayo tonight was a fun thing. It's one of those fun things about watching basketball is you have this guy who is, you know, a, a first overall, um, uh, the first overall pick in the draft going against Bam Adebayo, who um, I don't remember. What was he like the 15th pick in the draft a couple years ago? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he comes out in the same or the, the draft before, and he is the – I don't have it in front of me. Why can't I find it? 14th pick. So a 14th round pick going against a first overall pick. So there's – you know, and one guy's really becoming somebody who nationally everybody's respecting. is just like uh, a dominant player because he throws down savage defense. He plays good defense. And, De- and DeAndre Ayton's a guy who's you know still developing but has potential to do some of those things. He's never going to throw down those monster jams consistently, <laughs> but he's going to play really, really solid defense. And it was nice to see that DA defense back. And when we talk about the Suns being on the road, I really think that that's a good thing for DeAndre Ayton to really spend those time, the, the extra time outside of the basketball game with the veterans talking to them, talking ball, learning how to be a quality NBA player. And it translates on the court. They probably got him really pumped up before the game. Yeah. And he came out, like you said, the first like three possessions, he was fumbling a little bit. But once he got his footing, he really started to dominate this game and impose his will in multiple different facets. And that is just another wrinkle to this team that's going to be beneficial once we hit the playoffs. The more he does this, and again, knowing that the Suns have 12 of the last 16 on the road, this could be a really good opportunity for him to develop into a player who come playoff time is reliable, is somebody who... Uh, is deterring those shots, is forcing the opposition into awkward situations. And because of that, the Suns are going to benefit. And it's just, I know he's going to have another bad game here shortly. And guess what, guys? Like, you know, never too high, never too low. Rem- remember Ricky Rubio, okay? Never too high, never too low. We need That's how we need to treat DeAndre Ayton in his third season as a pro, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, we can always talk about this for forever. But honestly, Ayton, when he's so intense on defense when he's like crab walking it out there with his arms raised to the side. That's when you know he's like in tune into the game. He might just be a guy who gets really bored 
with things, you know, being in the Valley for so long, you know, you have a new kid, there's a lot going on and you're just playing back to back games. He's at probably home. so Maybe, excited to get out of town. Exactly. Yeah. Well, not from his kid. I, I'm just saying just like Maybe. change up the scenery, change up the scenery a little bit. It'll get him going last game. Of course he played great at home, but I mean, going to this road, I think the games when they're more important, he's going to really like, he's going to tur- turn it up a notch, whether or not he can get the, the crappy stuff out of the way of fumbling the ball and then continue to play well, that's up to him. But I mean, there's always love and hate with this guy. I mean, of course, more of the time, I'm I'm looking for someone that's more stable at the center position that can help us win a championship, of course, this year. But it's up to him to be that guy, and we're going to give him the opportunity. And, of course, big men take forever. Their fifth year, he's going to be the best center in the league. But right now, it's just, it takes some time, dude. It takes some time, and whether or not we're going to wait for that, we'll see. And we're going to have to wait for it because we're not training his ass. So he's going to be on this team the rest of the year. Well, so I hope to God he gets better and continues his consistency. So continuing the Aiton conversation, I actually on the drive home, I was listening to Burns and Gambo, and they brought up in their daily Twitter poll an interesting question. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. He said, and uh, what they posted was, with the NBA tra- trade deadline approaching, do you view DeAndre Aiden as an untouchable piece of the Phoenix Suns, yes or no? I said no. It depends what you get back. Yeah, so overall, the fans of uh, who voted, and that was a total of 2,009 or, or 2,955, 2,955 mm-hmm. people voted. 63% said, no, he's not untouchable. 37% of fans said, yes, he is untouchable. And I'm with you. I fall in the no camp. As much as I love DeAndre Ayton, everybody's tradable. Outside of, in Except my opinion, Booker. Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges and Chris Paul. And those Bridges, three, yeah. those three, you can't touch them. DeAndre no. Ayton is somebody who you could explore, potentially find a uh, trade for. Now, I... Let, let me make it clear. I think the Suns should stand pat. If they do anything, they should shore up the uh, you know behind Da. You know the depth yeah. behind him at a big. Um, but anybody, you know, if, if any, I would never trade him for like Aaron Gordon or anything like that. Yeah. I wouldn't go near that kind of this trade. Go ahead. Interesting. Uh, sorry, Thomas Dennett. I listened to Jer- Jared Allen, and you might be talking about that's an interesting name. Like if you were to get Jared Allen for DeAndre, and that'd be. I don't know. Ooh. That's that's definitely close, but it would have to be just a really good deal. I mean, I'm not saying trade Aiden away for just a backup piece or something like that. No, you couldn't. It'd have to be a It would starting. have to be a lot. It would be a better prize than what Aiden will be in five years, but or in two years. And Blaze Megatron brings up a great question. Yes. He says, wait, Voida, are you saying Mikhail is better than DA? I'm not, but what I'm saying is I believe mm-hmm. that Mikhail is more valuable than DA. And when we hit those contract extensions at the end of this year, Mikhail is probably going to be the one who gets the money first. DA, due to his statistical output this season, yeah. it might give James Jones the flexibility to go, hey, you know what, DA? Let's wait one more year because his contract extension doesn't have to actually go in until the following season, until the beginning of the 22-23 season. So at the beginning of the 21-22 season, we could, pota- we could potentially uh, provide Mikhail his money, lock him down, and then see how DA plays next season. And based on that performance, knowing that Chris Paul comes off the books the next season – make those appropriate uh, uh, contract extensions. So you know, while people piss and moan about DA putting up 14 and 12, it's actually a good thing in the long run for the Suns, in yeah. my opinion. Mikhail, though, I think he is better than DA. I think he's already passed him in the lineup. I think D- or Mikhail is really close, and I'm writing something right now about him being the third option on offense. He just, he just absolutely is. He's a guy that I trust more than DA right now on the offensive end and day-to-day, game-to-game. I mean... That's the one thing you want in these players is trust in the clutch player, a guy who can actually make sense on the court at you know at, at all times, and that's what Mikel does. And I, I don't think and in the future, I think Da will be a better player probably, but Mikel right now, I think he is doing a better job with this team than Da. No, I, I agree as well. So uh, eight and watch went on a little long. I um, love it. I do too. I mean, it's it's a great topic, especially. Pod. It should, we should just <laughs> rename our podcast to Aiden Watch 2021. That's actually <laughs> yeah. not a bad idea is to throw out little yeah. Aiden Watch segments just for the Jamsters to watch. So this is a reminder to all you Jamsters who are joining us live. Please hit the, the uh, thumbs up button if you're watching on YouTube. And please subscribe. We're up over 900 subscribers. And we are getting ever so close to 1,000. So looking forward to that. Uh, and a shout out real quick. I want to give a shout out to Hans Schwart at Colangelo77 on Twitter. He said he's looking forward to the podcast. He always listens to it when he drives to work early in the morning. It's so fun and entertaining. Thank you for that, Hans. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you you and Matthew for the great work 
Greetings from the Suns fan from Germany that watches every game live. So wow. shout out to you, man, watching the games in Germany. Uh, I was stationed over there for a little bit, and I know the time change is uh, pretty impressive. So, you know, good job. Yeah. Keep watching the Suns from afar. I had a dog named Hans. That's the closest thing to Germany that I had. Yeah, and, and Hans Gruber, Die Hard, one of my favorite movies of all time. So shout, <laughs> out, shout out to you, sir. Yeah, Coda Kid's right. I need an eight and watch shirt. I need to make that shirt. That's going to happen. That's a great. That's. I think you know about what? it. Actually, I think about that all the time. Oh my no. god! <laughs> I'm going to make that shirt and Coda Kid. You're getting one just for bringing that up to me. So yes. we're going to put gonna, your address make... right up on the screen. We'll send it to you <laughs> <laughs> and your credit card too. Um, another thing I want to talk about in this game before we you know look forward to tomorrow night's game is just how the Suns won this game. If you look at the statistical, if you were sitting in the box score, you're reading the paper tomorrow while you're taking your morning shit. And you look at it and you go, okay, the Suns got out rebounded by 10. Miami had 49. The Suns had 39. <laughs> you like that, huh? Yeah, because I'm just picturing you doing that. <laughs> oh, look at that. The box score. Yeah. Uh, points in the paint was pretty even. The Suns had 42. The Heat had 38. Fouls, obviously, the Suns committed more fouls. 18 in this game to Miami's 13. And if you look at the at the free throw line, Miami was a plus seven there as they had 15 made free throws out of 17 attempts, and the Suns were eight for nine. Um, so you kind of look at that. The Suns were only a plus three in three-point shooting as we made 12 for 37 while they were 13 for 36. Um, but what it really came down to in this game was turnovers. The fact that the Suns defense, and we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, how Miami has that really tenacious defense and they hustle and they put you yeah. in mismatches by double teaming. The Suns had eight turnovers in this game, despite all of the havoc the Heat were trying to generate, whereas the Heat had 14 turnovers. And again, I just think, you know, coming into this game, the Suns were the number three overall defense in the league and the Heat were the number four defense. So you really thought this would be a defensive battle. Kudos to the Suns for the way that they played defense tonight against a team that, although they're, what, 29th in the league and shooting the three, they're like, you know, one of the top tens when it comes to taking the attempts. Kudos to the Suns on the defense tonight. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the only thing they did wrong was leave none open a lot. But other than that, there's always the one guy, right? There's always the one guy where it's like, oh, God, you got to stop him. And the Suns usually figure it out, and they figure it out tonight. But yeah, the, the, the Miami Heat, their three-point shooting is just so down in the dumps right now. So it's nice to meet this team to where we're not shooting it very well, and they're not shooting it very well. So you don't have to really worry about it too much. Yeah, it's... You know, when they're playing the way that they are, again, a lot of teams have had the ability to recognize how their sets are run, especially when you have Jay Crowder calling them out, but uh, how their sets are run and knowing how to run them off their spots. And again, I just think that's valuable. And, you know, I'm looking forward to this team continue. You know, how, when's the last time you could say, I love the defense of the Suns consistently? And that's one of those things where this year is just, I mean, we're 29 and 13 now. Beautiful. We're two, we're two games out of first place. We play the Magic tomorrow. The Jazz play the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, this is an opportunity that this time tomorrow when we're sitting here live, we're one game out of first place, man. I know. It, it's crazy. And honestly, um, <laughs> I was going to say something I totally forgot. But actually, hold on. Do I have it? Is it there? Ah, it's gone. It's gone. I had a good point to make, too. Oh, well, it's well, I hope you dude. find it. You'll find it later tonight oh. <laughs> when, you're, when you're sitting down on the on the shitter reading hey, your newspaper. Eating, right? <laughs> someone, yeah, there's someone from the Philippines too watching us. Yes, Robin thank you egg. for doing that. God, Blackout Suns remind me. Shouldn't have bet against the Suns, John. Matthews Lee's yep, getting already, bigger. That's already right. corrected score. You already corrected, already corrected it. it. You yep. fuck nut. God damn. I was excited. First thing I did. Uh, <laughs> um, last thing I want to talk about before we get to the Orlando game is Dario Saric. Um, two points, five fouls for Dario. I mean, again, ever since I wrote that piece about him being a six man, he has struggled. It's really making it apparent that we need a backup big. I mean, again, kudos to DA because he had to pull 34 minutes out tonight because Dario Sarge. And I think Dario was kind of like, listen, man, DA, you got so much foul trouble against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's just taking <laughs> me out of my game. So I'm going to get in foul trouble tonight so I can get some rest, right? That might have been it, but there's something with his spacing on the floor, right, Dario? I, I I mentioned it twice before. He's not playing point, Dario. Even when he is, he's not really the leader right now for the second unit. Like we need him badly. He's taking some weird shots, and the spacing where he he can't get any spacing. Usually, he's moving up, moving around and stuff towards the top of the key and trying to get some spacing between his defender because God knows he needs it, right, to get a shot off or even yes. dribble the ball. The spacing, the guy. I think what the game plan is, is if you're on Saric, 
just be on him. Just be on him a little bit more. And it's going to be very, very difficult for this guy to do anything. And that's what I'm kind of seeing. I don't know what else is going on with him, but he is missing his threes, missing wide open threes sometimes. And usually, I mean, in the beginning of the year, he would actually knock those down. But oh, yeah. right now, he's just going through a mess. It's a slump. I mean, he'll get out of it, so we're not worried about it. I threw him in the trade thing that's going to be released later on. But it's just I had to do something, right? Well, Dave it makes King money something work. Done. He's like, Matthew, you got to get on there and write your paragraph. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it. <laughs> he's like, Matthew, fuck. finish your articles. <laughs> A uh, quick shout out to Capo status. He says random, but I'm still laughing at the Dario cigarette butch Sarge. That's the best. that's his nickname. So and then uh, and Det Nibble wants Sark Sarge watch. So maybe we'll have to do that. But again, you know, while he is struggling, the team is winning by ten. While he is struggling, the Suns are beating the Lakers. While he is struggling, the Suns beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. We've won three in a row with Sarge struggling. So. That's the depth of this team. And somebody said earlier, I think it was uh, Kenneth Payne in the chat on Facebook, mentioned that the Suns' depth is really making it tough for teams to beat us because we just don't stop coming at yeah. you defensively, offensively, rebounding, assist, ball movement. All those pluses are just really tenacious and stopping the other teams from putting any runs together consistently. And, after, and we know this as Suns fans. Think about all those games where we're down 12 to seven points and we'd fight down to three and we'd fight down to two points. And then you used all that energy to do that. And then the other team just hit like two threes and we were out of the game because it took so much energy to get back in the game. We're on the other side of that coin right now. The Heat were trying everything they could. They were Kendrick nunning us to death trying to get back in this game while Jimmy Butler sat on the sideline because, you know, Spolstra didn't want to put him back in. He's like, you know what? They're not going to, I'm just going to save this guy. You know I mean? He's tired. He's been playing his heart out 26 points a game. Um, we're not coming back in this game. I'll see if this team can do it. If we get down within like seven or five, I'll put in Jimmy buckets, but they never got down to it. Cause the Suns just are relentless, dude. Yeah, they are. And I think within the 60% of the season, that's already over or 70%, whatever, there's only I think I can count on one hand how many games the the benches have really let us down, and that yeah, is you're three, right. Even if that maybe four games, and, and I'm talking about just every player on the bench just having a terrible game, or just not even build. Some guy can't even get over eight points. That just hasn't happened this year. When it does, we usually point it out on the podcast after, and we usually lose those games. We had, I mean, with Saric doing so bad, now we have Tory Craig in there picking up all his minutes. You know what I mean? They're effective minutes. So, like I said, when he joins the team, that's what he's going to do. And maybe it's his fault that Sarge sucks right now. You know what I mean? It maybe. could be. Or it's <laughs> it's clearly my fault. I mean, the Jamsters are calling out in the chat. They said I've cursed him. So, I, I accept yes. that. I need to write some opposite that's piece saying right. Sarge is a cigarette butt throwing around cigarette son of a stick. bitch. Yeah, he's a cigarette stick. He's not He's not even a, worth a cigarette butt anymore. He's not throwing a cigarette butt around anymore. So I don't really know what's going on with Sarge. But you know what? Again, the Suns are winning during this stretch in which he isn't playing very well. So yeah. again, Suns win. They beat the Heat by 10. And now it's time to go on to the next one. Guess what? And we're going to be playing Orlando tomorrow. Um, looking forward to that game. Obviously, uh, I don't think we put a bunch of over unders. Oh, we didn't do all that. But just so you know, after this game, I'm now 16 and 11 because I picked the heat to win. Matthew's 19 and eight. And yeah, the Jamsters (laughs) are letting me have it. They're saying, stop picking crappy teams. You idiot. If you're ever going to capture Matthew, it's, you know, (laughs) I can't capture you. I won't catch you or capture you capture the flag. So it's just, it's not going (laughs) to happen, man. So kudos to you. We have Orlando playing tomorrow. What are your thoughts on this Orlando team as we prepare to go right up the what is it out there? I it's not I five I ninety five. I think that's Miami to no Orlando's in the center of the state. I've never been to Miami. I've been to Orlando and I've been to Tampa Bay, which is where our next game after that is because that's where the Toronto Raptors are playing. But what are your thoughts on the Orlando squad as we prepare for them? I mean, are there really any thoughts other than just trade Aaron Gordon? I think maybe by the, tomorrow, Aaron Gordon might be traded from the from the Magic. Finally, right? I I feel like it's been three years we've been talking about, four years we've been talking about Aaron Gordon being traded by the deadline. If it doesn't happen this year, it'll never happen, obviously. But yeah. he needs to get out of there. I mean, if Vucevic might be traded, who knows? That team will maybe not even have more than seven players on their team. 
when we play them tomorrow. So that something like that could happen, or of course, right after we play them, that team might break up. So this is not, I don't even want to say it's a setup game at all. This is just a simple, simple win for the Suns. Orlando Magic, they look like they had a future there. Uh, it's, you know, it's fallen apart. Injuries have really taken them over. So they have some good key guys, of course, on their team that I love, but they are out to, due to injury. And I can't even think of their names right now because I am I'm very, very dumb. And <laughs> and because of that reason, I just I think that this is not even a setup game, man. I think this is just taking care of business game. Or a trap game, as some might call it. Um, but so here's go. essentially who what everybody who's it? out. You call it a setup game. I call it a trap game. What does that even mean? What's I don't a setup know. game? I don't know. It's like I, I was thinking like volleyball, maybe like they're <laughs> setting them up, bump set, yeah. so we can spike the Toronto pitcher? Raptors. Well, what's interesting about the next two games for the Suns is they're playing teams that are definitely in sell mode in the Eastern Conference. You have the Orlando Magic, who currently are in second to last place. They're 14 and 29, Matthew. One and nine in their last 10 games. And after that, they're playing the Toronto Raptors, who have currently lost nine in a row and are 17 and 26 and in 11th place. So we mentioned Kyle Lowry potentially being traded from the Toronto Raptors. That kind of seems to be what a lot of the national pundits are referencing when they talk about trade deadline acquisitions and things of that nature. They're saying the Toronto and Orlando teams, both are probably the two squads most likely to just blow it up. It's time to garner other assets and start looking towards the future. They've let, they've both run their courses. Obviously the Toronto Raptors did so and earned a championship and the Orlando magic have been hanging at the end, the seller of the NBA for quite a while, although they've been making the playoffs and just good enough to make the playoffs. But you look at the guys who will not be playing in tomorrow's game simply due to injury. Cole, Anthony, Mo Bamba, Markel Fultz, Jonathan, Isaac, Terrence Ross, Chasson Randall. So, I mean, that those are just guys who, are you know a lot of these guys out for season out for season so and then you're right Aaron Gordon might not play tomorrow at, in preparation for the Orlando Magic to trade him somewhere because he's requested a trade out I believe Evan Fournier has already informed the Magic that he's not going to sign an extension next year as a uh, restricted free agent or unrestricted I forget what he's going to be at the end of next year but you know he's somebody who I'd actually like the Suns you know that that'd be a good pickup for them Evan Fournier is a hell of a player he but, is. Like he you said, like is. yeah, he might not look like it, but he definitely is. But you're you're right. This is a team that's going to be severely undermanned, severely uh, hampered by everything that's going on in their culture. They're not looking to win. They're they're barely going to want to show up to the game. And you know what? The Suns are going back to Orlando, where the bubble began. Yes, it is. <laughs> they are. I mean, <laughs> it's all so. It's all magical. coming in a full circle, right? Even though there's way more season left. Yes, but it would be nice to go in there, get our eighth straight win on the road and our fourth straight win overall. Mario Lopez says in the chat, Terrence Ross is going for 40 tomorrow. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, there's not much offense that they have there. They've got Terrence Ross. they got Dwayne Bacon. Obviously, the big thing that we'll be watching is DeAndre Ayton versus Nikola Vucevic. That's going to be the big matchup. He's somebody who uh, I believe somebody referenced in the chat tonight. I think he on in tonight's game, he had 18 points on 25 shots. So, I mean, it's... That, that'll be the matchup to watch. But again, the sustained firepower of the Suns, their depth is what should ultimately win this game. So if the Orlando Magic come out and they put up, I don't even, I don't care if they go up 10 early. Don't panic, Suns fans. It's slow and steady rent wins the race, and that's the story of the Phoenix Suns. They have the pace. They have the offensive sets. They've got the defense. And most importantly, and above all else, they have the depth. So beating the Orlando Magic shouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. and uh luke wallace book is going for 50 then i don't know i think that stuff is kind of over with right especially if we're playing the magic he shouldn't be playing the fourth quarter if he is and i hope to god he has 50 by then yeah and it, you know he, we win the game and he plays 27 point or he has 27 minutes like yeah, yeah the the book going for 45 and 50 points that's more of the exception than the rule anymore because we're winning and we don't need him to. He's got a team around him now, and that's what I absolutely love about the way that this team has progressed over the years. Uh, I kind of feel bad asking this question, but I'll ask it. Who wins, Matthew, the Suns or the Magic? I think the Suns are going to win this Come one. on, man. Pick the Magic or something. Come on, man. Help me out. <laughs> if I, I did, want, the Suns would I want to capture you. <laughs> yeah, you can come catch, come catch me, dude. My door's unlocked. Yeah, it's all it's weird you live in such a bad neighborhood it's a very bad strategy at your house so (laughs) no it's fine i mean there's a cold beers and cheeseburger across the street so any drunk could come wandering (laughs) in 
you just gave away my location. There's like two of those over here. <laughs> there's like there's like eight. There's like eight in the valley. Settle down. Settle all down. Right. Um, but yeah, so obviously I'm saying that the Suns win this game for all of the reasons that I stated before. I don't think that we need to overthink this too much. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it at that, yes. my friend. I'll leave it at that. Thoughts. Um, brains. So the trade deadline is a couple days away, and we are rapidly approaching it. I just wanted to spend probably about three or four minutes at the back end of the Suns Jam Session podcast and just ask you, do you think the Suns will ultimately make a trade, or are, is James Jones going to stand pat? I don't think they're going to. I don't. I think I think there's enough to show that this team is very, very full. Um, they're one piece away, which is Aiton. So we have to count on that to help us get through the season and try to get to the championship. That's what, all we can hope for. There's not one big change that's going to happen, I don't think. If there is, it's something that is just out of left field because I don't see anything right now that the Suns can do to really improve this roster unless they trade for like an MVP caliber player. That's about it, right? I mean, if they can get like, I mean, I put in the article coming up, like a Christian Wood. I know he just signed with the Rockets, but playing on such a crappy team, that guy is very vocal. Maybe he wants out and he already deserves to be on a championship contender team. Maybe that's an option to trade away Dario Sarge for a guy like that. That's that's as far as I'll go. What about you? How about the Rockets last night, man? They finally won. They lost After 20 in a row. Right? They yes. beat the Toronto Raptors by 18 points. So good for them. It's God so sad them. to see what's happened in Houston. Fuck James Harden for doing that, man. I mean, he just completely decimated that uh, franchise in the way he did it. But you know what? I'll take that back. It wasn't just James Harden. It was Daryl Morey. It was everybody. That was a time bomb waiting to go off, and it finally did. And I feel bad for Rockets fans. And I remember they're also Astros fans, so screw them. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's even worse. Oh, boom. Um, Blaze Megatron says exactly what I'm thinking. As a buyout, Lamarcus Aldridge or Javale, we we won't make a trade. I can almost guarantee you, we will not make a trade. Come even a little um, trade, tiny another trade. I don't I can't think, think so, of right? anything. I really That's can't so because cool. well, because the way that our um our roster is built, if you look at it, it's really in, not inducive of making any kind of trades. It's uh, let's see. So you, you obviously you have Devin Booker. And you have Chris Paul at the top end of the the Suns roster, and essentially what that equates to is about fifty six percent of your total payroll is tied up by those guys. So there's not much you can do there. So let's see if I can uh, do something fun and make something happen here for you guys. Um, I'm not a blown animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, so for those of you who are watching along live with us here on the Suns Jam Session podcast, I'm actually going to pull up the Suns contracts. And you can see, I don't know if you can see, it's pretty hard to see. Um, control, let's zoom in there a little bit. Get rid of some ads, accept all the cookies and all that stuff. You see that okay, Matthew? Yeah, I see you great. All right, so Chris Paul makes you know $41 million. Devin, <laughs> Devin Booker. It makes 29 million. Aiton's 10. And then you have Crowder and Starch both make nine. Bridges and Smith and Cameron Johnson are all 4.2 to 4.3. Javon Carter is 3.9, right? So of those guys, I think starting at Cameron Johnson and outside of Jalen Smith, those are kind of your top players. If you look at the back end of the way that Monty's built this roster, you have Cameron Payne, who makes 1.9. Abdel Nader makes 1.7. Etwan Moore makes 1.6. 1.6 for Langston Galloway. 1.6 for Frank Kaminsky. And 1.6 for Torrey Craig. So essentially, the way the Suns have built this roster is it's not indicative of making any types of trades. You can't... You'd have to package five guys together to equal, you know, like a Dario Saric trade. So if we want to go get somebody who is very uh, impactful, if you will... We're not going to have the assets to do it unless we give up a key piece. And all of our pieces are doing a very good job of meshing together, playing well together, knowing where they are on defense, knowing they can trust each other. So it's not going to happen via trade. Now, if a buyout comes, you could sit there and you could essentially release somebody who you don't want. I don't know. Maybe that's Abdel Nader. Maybe that's Etwan Moore. Uh, you get rid of one of those contracts. You be, bring in a JaVale McGee on a veteran minimum of 1.6. You replace him and boom. That That's the only way I could really see it happening. Yeah, or else we get the perfect four to replace. Uh, we just need LeBron says Dakota Kid in the chat. That would absolutely get well, If LeBron wants to get bought out by the Lakers and come over here on veteran minimum, we can make it happen. But outside of that, we just can't do that. So yeah, There's not a lot going on. 
So that's how that works. But, you know, that's kind of what I just wanted to throw out there. We know that the trade deadline is a couple days away, so we'll see kind of what happens. Obviously, tomorrow when we go live, there'll probably be some movement in the NBA, and we'll talk about that on the Our Thoughts segment here on the Jam Session podcast. Uh, But, again, I don't think the Suns are making a trade. I don't think you are either. So that's where we stand. Yep. All right. Well, if, on that, I mean, if there is, there might be an emergency pod. Who knows, right? Oh, yeah. I'm pod every night this week. Pauses. Yeah, let's pod every goddamn night. I don't care. I ain't got a life. <laughs> this is my life. The sun's on my life. So um, on that note, I think that we are done on this edition of the Sun's Jam Session podcast. So Jamsters, again, thank you for joining us. This was really fun interacting with you, talking Suns after another Suns victory, 29 and 13, baby. If you are listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please subscribe, rate, and review. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, leave us a comment there, tell Matthew how pretty his hair looks and things of that nature. If you're watching along live on the YouTube channel, please subscribe, please hit the thumbs up button, and please click the little bell to notify you whenever we go live, which is right after every Suns game. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. at Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. This is it. We are done. It's only 819. I have a life. I can go do things now. So thank you for joining us, Jamsters. I truly appreciate it. Yeah. See you guys tomorrow night. Everyone go home or stay home and love your family. Amen. Take care, everybody.